Welcome to another episode of Public Health Speaks. Public Health Speaks is a podcast series brought to you by the National Public Health Information Coalition. With each episode, we explore the successes and challenges in public health communications and ways to tackle the most pressing issues facing federal, state, and local jurisdictions. I'm your host, Robert Jennings. I don't know that you can ever fully be prepared for something as big as a global pandemic. We can always be more prepared. I think that's the sort of central theme of all of it. We can always be more prepared. Joining me today is Richard Corderone. Richard works as a health communicator in the Immunization Services Division at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Welcome, Richard. Great to be here. Thanks. Well, it's great to have you, and we have a pretty interesting topic to talk about today because you currently oversee the onboarding and training of the new vaccine demand strategist positions funded by the CDC's National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Can you tell us a little bit more about those positions? Yeah, we like to call them unicorn positions. These are positions that bring together a pretty broad range of skill sets, and we expect them to work across the agency to build and implement vaccine demand and competent strategies. And when we talk about sort of a broad set of skills, where it really encompasses risk communication, health equity, partnership building, health promotion, community engagement, social mobilization, infodemic management, and, and there's a strong basis in behavioral science around it. So these are types of positions that we have not had before in public health and particularly in domestic immunization. And we've seen the need, frankly, for a number of years and the need became incredibly acute during the response to COVID-19. And so we've taken some of the lessons learned, understood the need for capacity at the federal and state, local, territorial, tribal level, and building on that opportunity to build that capacity across the country. Well, the need is certainly there for these strategists. And how do you see them and public health communicators interacting? And what do you envision them accomplishing together? We really see this position as sort of a hub position across public health agencies and across communities. So when we talk about building a, a vaccine demand, vaccine competence strategy, we really think about it in terms of obviously bridging between an immunization program and communications programs in health departments, but we also see it having an integral connection with health equity work, with partnership work, and with other parts of the agency that really reach into the community. So having someone in this position who has a understanding of communication, communication strategy, communication science, but also understands that community engagement to be able to work with an injury program, the chronic disease program, the HIV program, to be able to draw and make those connections in the community and bring together some of the strategies and ideas. Because trust in the, the system, as our communicators know, really comes from across the board, across the agency. 
we have to parse things out by discipline, but at the same time, we are all together and we are all seen as together by the communities we serve. And breaking down those silos is going to be an important part of that. And, and you know, it is interesting that the public does not see us in these siloed sections within our organizations that we typically put ourselves in. So this is going to be great to see those bridges being built internally and across the agencies. So the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials and NIFIC have been working with you and others in the development of a training curriculum for both PIOs and the demand strategists. What is the intent of this professional development training for both disciplines? Yeah, so the inspiration goes back to the roles that NIFIC and ASTO have played over the last 20 years in moving communication forward within the field of public health over the last 20 years. We saw the that role very clearly for NIFIC and ASTO in supporting this opportunity to expand how vaccine confidence and demand represents another shift in that communication work, expanding and shifting how we think about different tools that we use. So we have a lot of folks in in public health, for example, in health communication that come from a marketing or PR environment or from a journalism environment. And those skills, backgrounds are incredibly important. And we want to make sure that putting the PIOs, putting the health communicators together, these seasoned professionals with new people bringing new skills, that by putting them together, we have this opportunity to create some really great, I don't use this word often, synergy and opportunity to kind of build on what we know, build on the skills that we have, and expand strategically within a health department. Richard, this all seems like an evolution of risk communication. And what other ways has the landscape of public health communication shifted because of the pandemic? When risk communication really kind of was formed as a discipline, the internet was relatively new. You know, I built the first website for the DeKalb County Board of Health in the early 2000s and late 90s. So that was the same time that risk communication was really expanding and taking hold across all of public health as a discipline. And so we have now social media. We have so many more sources of information, so many more voices. And at the same time, because of that, it is much more difficult to create those trusted relationships, those partnerships in the community. And we have to take a different approach to how we not only get information out, but we have to create that foundation where people are able and willing to receive the information that we share, understanding that they're not always going to get it from us. So we have to be very thoughtful and strategic about how they get information and ensure that all of the people and all of the groups who would be sharing our information understand the background that they need to have and think not only in terms of communication messaging, but also in terms of program. How do you build the program? How do you make those connections? How do you build on the science and the work that happens in the health department, in the community, to ensure that any messages resonate not just in a crisis, but in day-to-day work as well. So it's much broader and much more thoughtful kind of across 
a public health program. I like to think of it as applying basic risk communication across all of public health and ingraining that into our programmatic activities as well. So when you talk about the evolution of risk communication, you cannot ignore the dangers of health disinformation and misinformation, which is a relatively new phenomenon, at least as far as public health communicators go in addressing it. So what do you think can be done to overcome or at least neutralize misinformation, especially as it relates to addressing incorrect vaccine information? This is the real challenge. I think one of the places to start is acknowledging the human aspect of how people receive information, how people perceive health, how people perceive government and public health as a extension of government, but also as something that is very personal and very community driven. And in doing that, we have to kind of understand social media differently. We have to also think in terms of not just myths and disinformation, rumors, myths, all of those types of things that go into infodemic management. And I think maybe that's the core of it is to think in terms of infodemic management and understanding social media and myths and disinformation in particular, less as something that you respond or react to, but more in terms of thinking, how do we prevent it? And this is where we get much more comprehensively into that human connection, the trust connection, understanding that, you know, in a crisis, this is one of the things in in the basic principles, in a crisis, people receive information in very short chunks. It's very difficult to process complex information, information that is not clear and direct, evolving information, and in a social media environment where you are bombarded with information on a daily basis, you're at a, already at a heightened level of sensitivity and ability to process complex information. So you're taking smaller chunks of information, but then you add a crisis to that. And an unprecedented crisis like a pandemic that occurs, a 100-year pandemic, we haven't had anything like this in our lifetime since you know 1918. And even at that time, we didn't have the technology of moving people, of moving information that we have now. So building that trust, building that human connection to manage and guide our communities through change is where it all starts. Well, we certainly have evolved as a discipline in public health communications. And there has been a lot of challenges that we've faced and a lot of lessons learned. Do you think public health communications is prepared for the next pandemic? And if not, what can we begin doing today to get us there? I don't know that you can ever fully be prepared for something as big as a global pandemic. We can always be more prepared. I think that's the sort of central theme of all of it, we can always be more prepared. So our national public health system, our global public health system is only strong if we have strong community, state and local health departments, strong community connections, and public health infrastructure in and of itself is human infrastructure. It is people. And public health 
communications, risk communications, vaccine demand, vaccine confidence is about across the board, having those strong personal connections in the community at the community level, having the public health nurse or the public health environmentalist in your county being someone who you see at your house of worship, someone who you see buying groceries, someone who is approachable, someone that you know who vaccinates your children for school every year, and someone who you personally connect to. That fundamentally is the best thing, the most important thing that we can do to ensure that public health is prepared for the next pandemic, the next public health emergency, the next emergency overall. In communities that we visited where we know that there has been a backlash or a concern about public trust or a concern about a public health rule or guidance or recommendation, the communities where those relationships are strong have been the communities that have been able to work through those. And so it is incredibly important to reinforce that strong community foundation, local health department foundation, that state health department foundation, and incorporate a lot of the basic principles of risk communication, of the behavioral and social science that's at the core of building vaccine confidence and demand into the day-to-day work that all public health professionals do. Well, excellent. And we will let that be the last word. Thank you for joining us today, Richard. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Public Health Speaks. Please join us next time as we continue to address important and timely issues relevant to public health communication professionals around the country. If you like the show, please share it with your colleagues. And if you have comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at nific.org. That's I-N-F-O at N-P-H-I-C dot org. This show is a production of the National Public Health Information Coalition. Thanks for listening. Thank you.